0: Welcome back, my friend. This is Dustin Nemos of the Nemos News Network, where we continue to break the cycle of fake news. I'm joined once again by my friend and PhD economist, Dr. Kirk Elliott of Sovereign Advisors, and he's going to walk us through what is happening with the markets lately, what's going on. Um, I've been, honestly, I, I just got off with Roger Stone. I've been doing interviews back to back. Fake news is after me. I'm not caught up on what's happening uh, the last five days or so. So uh, Kirk, help, help us to get caught up. Thank
1: you for okay. Yeah. Well, hey, great to be with you. Um, you're slammed. I'm slammed. You know what? When the, when the world is falling apart, we're all slammed when we're, when we're telling the truth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> same times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it goes with the territory. But, but anyways, you know, there was an a economic summit in Singapore um, this week. And oh, boy, I'm going to slaughter this guy's name. And I apologize for anybody <laughs> who might have the same last name. But it's Singapore's senior minister. His name is Tharman Shanmugartnam. Okay, so uh, that's the only time I'm going to say it. I'll call him Tharman from now on. Or I'll just call him the senior minister, <laughs> to be respectful. So basically what he said here is rising debt because of COVID around the globe is a very serious issue that governments face moving forward. And to me, I would say, well, duh. we all, We all knew that, right? But But this is the first time that it's been addressed by more mainstream deep state type people. And, you know, so he went on to say that growing debt is one of the biggest challenges that governments will face in the next decade um, because economies can no longer rely on rapid growth and inflation to bring down the debt. See, this has been the role of the central bank, right? It's like, okay, we'll just create more debt to pay off old debt. And all you're doing is multiplying the debt <laughs> yeah so so basically that's that's not going to happen anymore and there's there's a solid fundamental reason from my perspective as to why he's saying this, and he didn't say it, but I'm connecting some dots, and that is, if you look at Asia, you know for forever they've had a one-child policy in China. Um, places like Japan have had a a fertility rate below 2.0 for the longest time. Well, what does that mean? It's like, well, if a fertility rate's 2.0, that means when mommy and daddy kick it and die because they're they're old, well, mom and dad die, that's two people. Fertility rate of 2.0 means that they just replace themselves and society stays constant. If it dips below 2.0, it means society is shrinking. And if it's greater than that, it's expanding. And so you look around the world, where is it expanding? Well, mostly in some of the Catholic countries of of South America and the Middle Eastern Muslim countries, exploding fertility rates, sometimes 10 to 11, not 2.0, but in in the Western world, in Europe, in America, and Japan and Asia, um, I I say Asia is China, Laos, uh, Thailand, uh, North and South Korea, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, all of that Pacific Rim, it's below 2.0. Wow. So, that, so what does that mean? That means that there's fewer working people, you know, working adults um, to pay off the, the bulging entitlements that come with retirement. And most of these are socialized, you know, socialist type countries. So so they expect to just get receive benefits for the rest of their life. But it becomes a legalized Ponzi scheme at some point, right? Because you have fewer people paying into the system where there's a lot more people receiving the benefits and ultimately that's destined to failure. Sure. So, so how does that work? Like here in America, for example, um, you've got in the investment world, you've got defined benefit plans and defined contribution plans. So that would be like... a if it's a defined benefit plan, that would be like a pension plan. You just take X percentage of your income you know, for, for your whole teaching career. It's usually teachers or state employees that have pensions. And some of your old school blue chip companies like General Electric or Ford or something would have pensions where it said, hey, you work for 30 years and you're going to get 75% of your highest wages for the rest of your life pretty pretty swanky gig. I mean that that's pretty awesome. That's a defined benefit plan. Your benefit is defined prior to you starting. A defined contribution plan means the benefit is in flux. Who knows what you're going to get, but your contribution is I'm going to put in $100 a month or $200 a month or whatever. That would be like a 401k. Well, most of the Asian countries, most of Europe are on a defined um benefit.
0: Plan. Wow.
1: You know, so, so when you've got this, this.
0: Expectation I mean, at least.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that is the expectation. And so when, when general motors got, got one belly up, right. And, and the government basically had to bail them out, went through bankruptcy court. Well, the people who had their defined benefit plans thinking, hey, I'm going to make, you know, I think it was 75% of their highest salary for the rest of their life. The bankruptcy court judge said, you know, nope, there's not enough money for that. And you, you filed for bankruptcy and the government simply can't afford to bail it out. So what you're all going to get is if you worked for the company for less than 20 years, you're going to get 50 grand. That's it. Lump sum. If you worked for them for more than 20 years, you're going to get 125. When people are thinking, what? I thought I was going to get sixty grand for the rest of my life, you know, and then they're thinking this is only two years of the rest of my life, and it's it's done. So, so this is what's happening all over the westernized world and in Asia, and I think this is why this this um, Singapore finance minister, whatever kind of ministry he is, says this debt is unsustainable because. The retirees, the older population won't put up with inflation, like the, the millennials and the Gen Xers, well, because they they haven't worked their whole life to see how inflation erodes your nest egg. See, older people have. Older people realize when they look back over time.
0: They've been cheated.
1: Yeah, they, they totally got cheated. And, and, you know, how how can we kind of explain this to your listeners, Dustin, is well, we'll use an American company, Cadillac. Okay. The highest end Cadillac, which is like the, you know, back in the seventies when, when Nixon took us off the gold standard and they just allowed printing at limb. Well, the highest top of the line Cadillac Seville was, uh, $7,000 in the 1970s. The, the Cadillac S. Seville basically changed the name to like the STS, but the top of the line Cadillac today is well over 80 or 90 grand. Same car company, same top of the line vehicle, but yet 7,000 to over 90,000? Did the cars you know, change that much? Of course, there's different technology, but, but technology is supposed to reduce costs, right? Because it increases efficiencies. But no, so the difference is inflation. It's just simply inflation. You look at college costs over the years. I mean, you used to be able to go to Harvard back in the 70s for 10, 15 grand a year. Well, now it's like ridiculously horrible expensive. And has the quality of education changed that much? Well, yeah, it's gotten worse actually, but, yeah. Yeah. but the price has gone through the roof. So old people in their retirement years. Are, will not put up with inflation like younger people will. And this is what they're going to see in Europe and why this, this senior minister is saying, I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to pay this debt back. There's got to be some kind of structural change. Well, what is that structural change? I mean, we've talked a lot about it on, on this show and, and other, other shows that, that you and I have been joint participants on And that's like a global financial reset. What are they going to reset? They're going to reset debt. See, and this guy is for the first time, uh, uh, a mainstream economist, a senior minister from another country is saying, something has to change because this debt is unsustainable and we can't pay it back. It's like, well, welcome to the party. We've been talking about this for over a year that it's unsustainable and something is gonna have to change. But here's what's weird about it they're not talking about America. They're talking about the other countries of the world. Why is that? So I was, you know, put on my my thinking cap to cover up my bald head, (laughs) it's like, okay, thinking cap, why is this not gonna be such a huge dramatic um, effect to America? Well, because Trump has changed the dependency that we've had on, on foreign supply chains. You know, so, so we're not so dependent on foreign oil. We're not so dependent on manufacturing in China. We're doing it ourselves now, right? So so here's what what amplifies the problem in other parts of the world is not only do they have inflation, but their profitability base is leaving because it's really coming back to America in a large part. So they're totally, they're totally hosed. Um, yeah. They, I mean, they really are. We're, 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 we're actually kind of seeing a net benefit from all of this.
0: Wow. Well. Well, yeah, we have to. I mean, it's going to become a competitive world again, and we're going to be very competitive. And, you know, um, China has companies just leaving in droves at this point, and, and they're not helping with what they're doing on the world stage.
1: No, that that's true. Oh, so that brings up something else I would love to address is the the decoupling from China, right? Yes, so,
0: yes. Which, which,
1: is, which is a big deal, because what it started with was, and this was prior to COVID even happening, you know, Trump... Is you know coming in as president and saying ah, I'm draining the swamp, we're going to make America great again, and he's looking around and saying these trade policies that we have with some of these other countries that four previous presidents have put in place stink. They're not good for America, you know. And so, so a you, you started to see tariffs on some of the other foreign countries' goods, which makes them more expensive, and and you know it turns into a trade war, right? And so. But we're winning that trade um, because America, contrary to what a lot of the, the news outlets would say, still has a lot of power around the world. Um, we're, the, we're the consumption engine of the planet. And so we kind of get to call the shots. So there started to be a decoupling even prior to COVID, um, bringing jobs back to America, trying to make fair practices with the World Trade Organization and things like that. Then COVID hit, and you start to see even more ramp up of some of these trade wars, and now you slap on big, massive tariffs on Chinese goods and European goods, and you've got the USMCA, which is like NAFTA 2.0, because NAFTA 1.0 stunk so bad. It should have just been called the Agreement to Benefit Canada and Mexico and to, to hose America. I mean, that's what they should have called it. That's funny. But, yeah, but they called it NAFTA. Um to trick people into thinking that this was a good free trade agreement for all the three countries involved in North America. But so Trump is seeing through this and he's starting to decouple. Wow, well, now what's happening? The decoupling has moved from a nationwide kind of a thing, country against country, to company-specific decoupling. Now, I, I, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce it, The the cell company from from China, Hawaii?
0: wu I think.
1: Okay. So, so however you pronounce it, they now, are, we're decoupling from them, right? And what about TikTok? So we're starting to see some of these things start to change in a big, huge way. Yeah. And uh, we're, it, the, the decoupling has moved from the country level to the company level. And so we're starting to see major tectonic shifts um, in, in America, which America is being the net recipient of, So it's no wonder senior ministers from from Shanghai are are starting to get really nervous because the the global balance of power economically, um, which was in China's favor for for a long time. Um, It it just was. Artificial. Yeah, hate to say it, America, but we were losing that battle, not because us as citizens didn't care, but because we had presidents that were selling our trade secrets Putting together horrible trade bills that, that made other countries stronger and us weaker. So here comes Trump changing all of that. So you've got this debt explosion that's going to cripple a lot of companies and countries in, in Asia and other parts of the world. And you've got this decoupling, which is going to strengthen America because those jobs that are leaving those countries are going to come back here. So so this is the landscape that we have in front of us. So, you know, it, you know, and I need to apologize because I don't have a lot of time to talk today. I've, I've, uh, I have I wanted to get you in before this weekend because it's just been a slammed week. But, but I wanted to get out to your listeners. These are important things moving forward because you will not hear some of this on the news. But when you start hearing mainstream economists start talking about decoupling and about debt that's unsustainable, you know that truly it 's probably really unsustainable because that just used to be us talking about that kind of stuff, and it 's not anymore. so what do we do then as as wise and prudent investors as people who are concerned about freedom and our own finances and and our kids' next generation um, livelihood? Well, shoot, you have to understand these trends and act accordingly and have the courage to act, you know um you can't just sit by the sideline and think normalcy bias it's not going to happen to me it's never happened before a bad way of thinking if you think like that you you probably should be kind of scared quite honestly because things could evaporate underneath your very own nose so really i would invest into something for the time being and i don't want to sound like a one-trick pony um gold and silver are amazing for right now and and I, I can't remember and, and you, can, you can slap me upside the head of, but if I talked about this on the last show because I want to bring fresh stuff but, but I only look at the world in two year increments because that's all you can't look 30 years down the road like a normal advisor would, investment advisor would say and say, you know what? 30 years down the road, if you put X number of dollars in every month, you're going to be worth 1.5 million dollars and you could retire just fine. It's like that's just math, but how do you know? How do you know what the world is gonna look like 30 years from now when every two years, you get a new Congress, which means new legislation, means new tax policy and fiscal policy, new monetary policy, and all of that changes social activities like tax policy and and that kind of stuff can make riots and protests. And so really when I plan, it's like we do have a long-term outcome, Dustin. We want to make sure that in the long run, Our money outlasts us rather than us outlasting our money, which is a horrible outcome. But how do you do that? You do that in two-year chunks. And that doesn't mean you put something in and forget about it for two years and look at it again. No, you have to be willing to adapt every single day if needed. But I don't look any further than two years down the road because gold and silver 20 years from now might not be the thing. Bonds might be, you know, as inter- if interest rates go to 20%. Well, maybe that's what we're gonna wanna do. So, so really look at, but for right now, oh, and yeah. for probably the next two years to five years, I don't even know, gold and silver are performing incredibly well because of these strong fundamental reasons. And man, if we over allocate into those markets for the time being, we can maximize our return, minimize our risk when the time is right, we reallocate into the next undervalued asset class, like you and I have talked about, you know, off off air, real estate. You know, there's there's a time for real estate coming, but I would I would maximize some growth in some of these other things first, and then buy cheapened real estate with an inflated asset and you sure maximize your return.
0: Well, buy the buy the thing that's down, buy the and, and sell the thing that's up. That's kind of buy low, sell high kind of mentality. Everybody gets that. I do have a chicken making noises out here. Sorry. (laughs) But, um, you know, I will add to that two years ahead, but 5,000 years back, gold has stood the test of time. So during these times of chaos, um, it is a good place to be. And in in such a a difficult way to predict what's happening with the market, it's almost, I would say, the best place to be because there's no counterparty risk.
1: Yeah, man, the counterparty risk is huge. Um, you don't have any derivatives. You don't have any management decisions. Like, you know, some people think, well, I'm just going to invest in Tesla because look what it's done. And Elon Musk is a stinking genius and he's doing electric vehicles and getting rid of the, the dependence on oil. And But what if the management is stupid and, the, and even a great company can go to zero overnight? Look at Enron, right? I mean, It's not the same. You always have counterparty risk whenever you're dealing with people. (laughs) And so that's why I do like gold and silver because it's tangible, it's real. There's no derivatives, there's no leverage. It just is what it is. And it's a pure reflection of kind of like an opposite reflection. So the worse things get around us, the better they perform. When things are going great and smooth and everyone's fat and happy, well, gold doesn't do well. So it's 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 a counterbalance to, to the world that we're living in, which gives us hope in bad times, you know?
0: You have to think no further than what if you live near Antifa and they burn your bank down, right? You know, there is a chaotic society happening right now. That includes the marketplaces, that includes different countries competing and Uh, there's a lot of corruption. The inflation is one example of how they just steal from people overtly. So um, thank you so much, Kirk. Is there anything that we left out people need to know uh, this week? I'm going to try to come back on with you and and at least give updates. I do have a surgery tomorrow. People know I may not have you back on next week, but I'm going to try to get the updates out, whatever we have to do.
1: You know, uh, just be willing to think outside the box. I would what didn't make sense 10 years ago does make sense today. and What makes 10 cents today won't make sense 10 years from now, probably. But what we're looking at right now is gold and silver actually make sense. And believe me, I'm, I'm not a gold and silver guy. I'm actually more of a real estate guy. But, but for right now, gold and silver make the most sense. And so don't look at it as just, oh, I've got $10,000 in my checking account. This is what I can afford. You can do it in your IRA. You can, you know, so... So there's other ways that you can look into it, and but don't fall into the trap of calling your broker, say, hey, Schwab guy, <laughs> um, I want to buy some gold. Well, here's the gold ETF, that's probably the best way to do it. And you could even do a double ETF and get double the return. It's not the same as paper it's, or mining shares are even worse. It's just like buying another company. The only way to do it is to buy physical gold coins Gold bars, silver coins, silver bars, if they're available. And then that means somebody's taking delivery of them because they're real. So somebody has to store them, whether that's the depository in an IRA or you. Somebody has to take delivery and store them because we're talking about a real tangible asset. If you're talking about any kind of gold outside of that, an e-wallet that supposedly has gold backing or these goofy gram bars that are tied into an. That's not the same. Don't do it. It's not the same. Physical possession is key.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kirk. I I really appreciate your time as always and your wisdom and for the update. So um, everyone stay tuned. I will add to this like a personal thought. I'm not in the market, but if I were in the market and this is not financial advice and I were seeing this like massive high in the market from President Trump and all the money printing and the craziness and everything that's going on. I would move, I would take that high and I would move into gold and silver before the crash happens. And I would feel like I was a genius of Soros and, and like a, a Warren Buffett levels on the, in the marketplace. Now Soros is evil, but he's a brilliant investor. So um, thank you again, Kirk. I appreciate you. Um, closing thoughts.
1: Um, just listen, listen to your gut. I, I know everyone out there is, is hearing that voice, <laughs> um, but you're kind of afraid to act on because it's something that you've never done before. It's like, this is the time to think outside the box and to act, um, and you know what, oh, parting thought. If it were in our comfort zone, we've, we'd already have it, because it'd be easy to get. Everything that we want in life is outside of our comfort zone, that's why we don't have it yet. So you want this financial peace of mind, you want this stability, you want peace in the midst of the storm, truly it's outside of your comfort zone and it's gonna need for you to act with a little bit of boldness and courage to do something that you haven't done before. But when you do, you know, like all the clients I've had for the last 25 years, uh, you're gonna be feel really good and happy once you've done it because you know that you've taken the steps necessary to preserve and protect for the time being. And again, nothing I'm saying is a forever option. <laughs> These are sure. two different chunks, right? And so so we, we reassess, we readapt, and you move forward.
0: Sure. And uh, thank you so much again, everyone. I hope you found this to be a value. Please like, share, and subscribe, and we will see you on
1: the next one. This is uh, Dustin Emos and Dr. Kirk Elliott signing off.